informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to voiceamerica.com. I'm Lori Schwartz. I'm the tech cat talking about tech trends impacting your business. And I can't think of a better and bigger trend really in this space right now than understanding what's happening with ad models in this crazy cross-platform world that we're in. So we have a fantastic panel to dig into rethinking TV advertising in this world. And I'm going to turn it over to the fabulous Dade Hayes, who's the editor of Broadcasting and Cable. And how many of you read Broadcasting Cable all the time? All right. If there's an article that you are upset by, please accost Dade afterwards because he's responsible for all of that content. But Dade, of course, has been with Broadcasting and Cable and before that, Variety and a lot of other periodicals, really sitting at the center of this crazy land grab in broadcast and digital in this space. So let's take it over to a fabulous panel. Let's have a hand for Dade, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, guys. I'm so glad to be here. Um, this mic is on. You're hearing me OK? Yes, no? Um, it's great to be in the theater. I'm, I'll play to the back row. Uh, anyway, thank you all for being here. Um, I'm going to do my best to kind of guide the conversation and stay out of the way. We have an excellent panel uh, to kind of take us through. So some quick introductions, uh, and then we'll dive in. So to my immediate left is Zane Vela. He's the CEO and founder of WatchWith, uh, which was founded in 2012. And WatchWith delivers advanced metadata and enhances brand engagement and does many other things that Zane will talk about. Uh, in past lives, he's led development of interactive products and platforms for Apple, Disney, NBCU, Netflix, in all 20 years of experience at the intersection of TV, the internet, and UX design. Did you write that? I didn't, but okay. it sounds good. I might have written that. That's um, a busy intersection. Anyway, welcome, welcome, Zane. Um, and then uh, going down the road, Kurt Marvis is the president and co-founder of QUTV. Um, QUTV is an international linear short-form video network that also distributes across VOD and mobile and TV apps and does other wonderful things that he will elaborate on. Um, and before uh, QUTV, Kurt was president of Digital for Lionsgate co-founded Cinema Now, uh, made hundreds of music videos, right? I did. Many, many things. So welcome to you, Kurt. Thank you. Um, and last but not least uh, is Chick Fox Grover. Uh, he's the SVP and Chief Dig Digital Officer for 4A. Uh, so it brings a really different perspective. We were talking earlier, um, which kind of rounds out the conversation, much more focused on um, you know, outreach to digital professionals. His role at the 4As includes uh, outreach to the, the advertising community, focusing on the discovery of important advances in digital marketing, marketing techniques and practices. So welcome to you, Chick. You. Welcome to all three of you. Um, the title of the panel is Less is More. So this is a, a toss-up for whoever wants to jump in. Is less more and how in advertising? Sure, I'll dive in. Um, well, it's interesting because <laughs> we were talking about this just at the when I came in a few minutes ago. Is that um, less for me would mean uh, less of the overt thirty-second spot that we've all become accustomed to in the broadcast world. Uh, more would be the uh, integrated branding and programming and sales efforts that we've seen for many, many years. This is not a new concept. It's just a concept that hasn't really uh, uh, gotten a foothold to date and. That concept, you know, even somebody like a Mark Burnett introduced it into the mainstream television world many years ago, where a show like The Apprentice uh, embedded a, a, a launch of a new flavor of Crest Toothpaste. And so they got a one-hour show about Crest Toothpaste that was encapsulated within a 
competition in The Apprentice. So you never felt during that time, even though they broke the 30-second commercials despite that, you never felt like you were watching a commercial for Crest, yet you were sitting there for 40-whatever minutes watching, basically, them talk about Crest toothpaste. That extended itself further in the world of YouTube, where, the, where, where we live, where the so-called influencers, the kids that have YouTube pages, Facebook pages, Instagram feeds, et cetera, et cetera, with literally millions and millions and millions of followers, their ability to influence people in terms of what they like with brands, et cetera, et cetera, has changed dramatically. And now many of those influencers are getting real money to be able to create content that is not an overt 30 second spot, but it's content that talks about some product or brand. In some cases, you may not even necessarily realize it, which is another topic. And then finally, that's starting to move into the world of television. Um, probably, in some ways, we like to think of what we do. We refer to ourselves as the Q. What we do at the Q is kind of, to some degree, an entertainment version of what Vice does in the uh, sort of hard news documentary area. We're all about entertainment and fun things. And so I think that Viceland, which recently took over H2, which probably most of you are aware of, if you watch Viceland for any length of time, you'll start to see pieces of content that are in the slots that normally would have been a 30-second spot advertising Subway or whatever it might be. And instead, it's actually a little piece of content that still is a commercial, but you don't, feel, you don't view it and feel it as a commercial. And even The Voice, actually, the first season of The Voice this year uh, did something similar. I don't now recall who the sponsor of it was, but you're starting to see a lot of that. So that, to me, is the more and the less would be the less of the 30-second traditional spot. Mm -hmm. Zane, do you have any thoughts? And then I'll go to I, you, Chicken, just a second. Uh, I mean, less is, less is definitely more. I think, I think the industry is at a stage where almost everyone will agree that the linear ad load is broken. Like, people through the, over the last 20 years of DVRs, um, on-demand content, Netflix, and the move from AVOD to SVOD, people are genuinely acknowledging that the linear ad load is broken. It's too much. There's a whole generation of young people who skip ad. They don't understand why they can't skip ad. So we have a, uh, we've been somewhat in denial for a long time. And I think it wasn't until uh, the major loss of market cap in August of last year did uh, broadcasters and content companies, all of a sudden it was okay to say, we've got to fix this. We need a new ad product. And we've seen an incredible burst of energy, experimentation, and invention from premium broadcasters over the last eight months in changing that. True TV, it's in the news today, right? True TV and Turner are reducing the ad load by a third. Right? Reducing the ad load by a third. All of the networks bringing um, a new level of targeting and addressability um, to the forefront in their, in their upfront offerings. And I think just to cap it off, uh, Facebook driving some of the most intense innovation that we're seeing in ad products, um, refusing to do pre-roll. So I think I think those are three concrete examples of why less is definitely more. And if the traditional linear industry doesn't adapt, 
there are unfortunately too many ways for the consumer to now get that premium content by going around them. So it's time. Yeah, Ben Sherwood this morning in his uh, keynote said that there are up to 25 different ways for people to access the shows that ABC and Disney Networks produce. It's it's you know. almost bonkers. And I think he means right. I think he means legal. Illegal, yeah, you know. right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, but Chick, let's go to you for a second, just for some, in a way, a reality check or a, a, a sense of the the community of innovators that you talk to. I mean, is there's definitely. I think most people would agree with the sentiments, well, I think the top line sentiment of the model is under stress, there's some need for innovation, but is the reach exceeding the grasp of what's possible, or do you feel like the digital tools that we have are enough is the community of, of digital uh, you know, well, kind of well, they're, rallying behind yeah, they're, they're, be, they're beginning to, to be available. I think what's difficult, of course, is the business to support them. I mean, one of the things we've been thinking a lot about, of course, this is happening in digital advertising, obviously, and people are doing some of the same thing. They're, uh, they're experimenting like crazy, mostly around native content in digital, but also reducing ad loads and, and things of that nature. But we think of it also, I think, uh, the digital community also thinks of this as an interesting design problem. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of this is around the idea that the way people use these devices is very, very different from watching TV. Um, one of the things that always strikes me is that we talk a great deal in our business around storytelling. But once you get into using a mobile phone, you're also dealing with uh, human beings' ancient need to be tool maker and a tool user. Hmm. And a lot of times advertising it gets in the way of you using the tool. So I think the design uh, aspect of advertising will become much more important you know, as people start to consider those factors yeah. you know, as, a, as a tool. But how real is the sense of complacency? I mean, it's, it, it, it's real. Because you do see data keep coming in that, you know, the traditional, um, you know, the, the income is holding steady. Uh, there's certain quarterly snapshots that you get where I think Q4, you know, maybe there was a 1% erosion, if that. It's an election year. Right, uh, right, like, right. So, I mean, but, but is there a, a hill to climb in terms of just the sense of you know, maybe, you know, head in the sand or, you know, it's not in my face broken, so let's stick with it. In the, in the worst case, in the most pessimistic case, we often hear people say, like, it takes a change in leadership, like a full change in leadership before uh, an adoption of those models um, takes place. That may be true, right? It is not easy, it is not easy to innovate. But I think you fold in what's happening in digital distribution um, and the fire, the impetus is there um, more, than it, more than it ever has been. I mean, I just, uh, I don't want to uh, make too much of a shameless plug. I just want to explain what I do and tie it back to your, um, your, your comment there, because I think it's exciting to think about this as actually a design problem, a user experience problem. Because I think what we're really saying is, when you're watching video on your phone and you hit play, and you get a pre-roll, it feels different than if you are watching OTT and you're kicked back on your couch and you hit play, it's a pre-roll, right? We're accustomed to that, that's normal. I'm gonna glance at my phone, I'm gonna let the commercial ooze over me, I'm gonna you know, look around. But when 
it's on your phone, all of a sudden it's like me versus you. It's my attention and this video. And it's like, how long are we gonna go at it? And so for a linear broadcaster who's very used to running a second and third linear ad, and you see this in pre-roll for premium content all the time, the fall-off rates are painful. I'm sorry, is that me? Or like, the, right, the fall-off is incredibly painful. Like, people don't watch. Like you said, there's too many other ways to go. So it's a design problem. It's actually coming up with a new experience that makes sense. So more of a design challenge than, a, I mean, what's the chicken and the egg here in terms of creative? Because you've got to have a creative community also that is thinking right. in these cross-platform ways, in these right. elastic ways. But, but it's also an industry that does like a format. It likes to be told, you have 30 seconds, it costs X, that's right. and you need to deliver and Y. So yeah. what, the way we've tried to approach that is, what is the most valuable real estate? Um, right, because people said, oh, well, if 30s don't work, how about 15s? Well, it doesn't work that way. Just, it doesn't mean you get twice as many users. And we've even seen people go as far as, how about fives? Can we do a five? You know, and will you pay the same for it? And it doesn't work. Like, people just don't want that. So what we've been doing is productizing overlay, really looking at what we've always called in the business an integration deal, right? Like, the, it was more valuable than a spot. If a brand was paying to be in the program, then that was a premium to a spa. And so what we've been trying to do is use digital technologies to productize or, or bring a format to the in-program, to the overlay, so that on a digital device you can actually deliver like while you have someone's attention. And our belief, and some people will say you're crazy, our belief is that overlay ads, relevant, small, unobtrusive ads that overlay the content are far superior from a design perspective than forcing someone through 30 seconds of video that they don't want. When, and it, it's interesting because when I was I was looking at all the panelists before I came here just to find out what they did, and I was looking at yours, uh, your work, and and then uh, recently downloaded some video from Amazon, which I can now do with Prime, which is terrific for New Yorkers because we're on the subway all the time and we <laughs> we don't have connectivity. But I realized, you know, just through experimentation, this sort of this, this as I click on it, all of a sudden I get a beautiful little overlay telling, showing me every actor who's on screen right now. That's right, X-ray for video. X-ray for right. video. And I thought, well, this is a terrific experience. I can get rid of it, you know, like I can put it on there. There's an opportunity for a brand experience there. That's right. Uh, that could be expanded. As long as the interaction design, you know, is useful, then it will be welcome. And there's, I think, some tremendous opportunity right. with things like that. That's right. And that's on a mobile screen. I was just going to say that I think, you know, none of these ideas are new. That's right. I mean, product placement has been around forever. And, I mean, it's interesting. I, haven't con I was having a conversation the other day with someone that when television first started in the 50s, it was primarily uh, the Texaco Theater at the beginning. This whole, the next show, whatever it is, You Bet Your Life, was brought to you by the Texaco Theater. And then they didn't break the commercial. The talent actually walked over to the stage left over here and stood next to the Texaco yeah. gas pump Howdy and duty. said, That's here's right. how I gas my car up with the Texaco <laughs> gas pump, yeah. and then went right back into the show. You never left the show. In, in 99 or so, uh, BMW did a big thing, and still talked about to this day, BMW Films, where they got famous directors to create these five-minute short films. This is pre-YouTube. 
to sh watch the films online, which were advertisements for BMWs. And you know, cars have been going back from James Bond, et cetera, have been doing this. The 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 challenge is, in my opinion, is that the agencies and the brands are very accustomed to the 30-second spot. It goes into 8 million homes. Here's the demographic of the audience, and here's how much we pay per thousand views. And so the analysis of what's happening in the social world and pass-through rates, there's really no, I mean, Nielsen's trying to do it, Comscore's trying to do it. There's nothing that everybody's really comfortable with like they were. I mean, how stupid was the Nielsen box? And to say that you're going to take a sampling of however few homes it was and say that represents the entire country, but everybody bought into it. Right. And guess what? The ad buyers were able to get their bonuses that way. The guys who were selling media could do it. And everybody kind of knew what the game was. Right. Once you start to change that, everybody gets uncomfortable and nervous. But, you know, we've, we found a way. It's like what we do is we, we call them, you know, we had to listen for a long time to the sales teams. And so what we call them is... Instead of referring to it as overlay, we call them in-program avails. An in-program avail is a slot in your content that you can choose to run a digital ad in. And we do exactly that. It's 10 seconds. You've got 10 seconds in the program that you can fill from a digital ad server with an in-program avail. On premium content, they're fetching north of $30 CPMs. And the reason I'd argue that works as well is because people are so used to overlay of information on television now. That's right. I mean, you, you watch to make ES it look great. You watch ESPN. You know, there's 16 different things going at the same time when you're That's watching right. sports centers of scores and what comes up next. And there's the highlight and this thing, et cetera, et cetera. That's people right. are so accustomed to multitasking visually. That's right. That for them to watch something that's done in that fashion is is na it's not unnatural. And we think that is actually native. So native is one of those words, right? Na native is one of those words that gets bandied around so much. It's native this, native that. Um, native content on the web, right? You're reading an article and then there's one that's actually paid for and then you keep reading and it's just an article. Yeah, that's a kind of native content. It's native to web, web publishing, to web pages. But then in video, I think it's important to make a distinction between branded content, right? Where you have a advertiser or sponsor that's paying for the production, that's branded content. Native video features are, I think, what Chick is pointing to, like X-Ray. That's a great example of a native feature. Native meaning it's only possible in digital. Um, two other good examples of truly native features in video. Um, who knows what an annotation is? Terrible word, but in YouTube, right? An annotation. If you're watching YouTube and those things that pop up, say, click on subscribe or follow me. Those have been hugely important in the growth of what's called MCNs, the multi-channel networks um, on YouTube. It's how people grow millions of uh, people and audiences. But let me, let me just kind of go the other direction and go super big picture. Because sure. we're in this content boom. I, I, I thought for, YouTube was pretty no, big no, no, picture. No, no, <laughs> but, but in terms of the world of programming, let's say, uh, or the programming that I think most affects the day-to-day -day of people here at this show, which is broadcasting cable, SVOD. You know, so if we kind of tilt it to that direction, I would say the one thing on the other side of the ledger is that in the premium space, in the kind of high-end neighborhoods where everybody wants to live, I mean, we've got 400-plus scripted shows. It's an incredible glut of content. Um, 
you're at a real advantage if you're Netflix with no ads. If you know, that's why Hulu added an ad-free tier. That's why you know. Don't, they're, don't they're, get, let me. I just want to correct that. But yeah, no, 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 because so, it's, it's, it's yeah, not to, my own sentiment. It's I, like I think you're you right. To be clear, I'm not talking about the content on YouTube. Right? It's garbage for the most part. What I'm talking about is looking at YouTube for an understanding of the native digital okay. feature. Okay. So the way of using overlay to click on something to subscribe, every single local broadcaster should be doing that. You should, on, on every video on your website, you should have a subscribe button. You don't, because the players don't. You need one, right? So subscribe, follow. These are basic functions. The ability to click on something to follow your newscasters, your best talent, on Instagram. Like, I, yeah, I th think that's what's happening. I, I, I agree with this. It's like I, I'm not sure how close we are to any of this, but you know, like in the you know the you know the digital digital agencies that are working on prototypes of things are are thinking a lot about the kinds of expectations that have been set by using mobile phones. It's like you're using video, you know, you're used to being able to Snapchat to be able to take a piece of video and customize it in, in any way that you see fit. All of those things become expectations that you know, bit by bit, we can sort of see. The glimmers with the Internet of Things and the, the kinds of uh, interfaces with uh, Microsoft Connect and things yeah. that are that are out there, you can sort of feel what the possibilities are of watching okay. broadcast television yeah. and everything that could then be also associated with that from an interaction standpoint. And we're doing it now, but we're doing it in a fragmented way. You know, your wife's got the iPad, your daughter's on the phone, you're sitting there on the couch watching maybe, that sort of thing. Everybody's doing all of these things that potentially could be incorporated into the TV right. experience. And, uh, but then it will be a design problem right. to, you know, like how that will be, how will you affect that? You can't click on the TV. You'd probably be talking to your Amazon Echo to do it anyway. So, <laughs> so uh, but those are the sorts of things that a lot of people, I think, are starting to think about. So Kurt put his finger on something central that I want to get some takes on, which is measurement. Obviously, that's mm -hmm. going to be the key driver. It's a big year for Nielsen with total audience. It's rolling out. You know, this is kind of the test drive, and then the 2017 upfront they say will be the, the real deal. They face their biggest competition maybe in a generation with Comscore, the combined company, bringing new tools to the market. Um, so as easy as it is, and I think it's fair to say, it, you know, they haven't always been at the cutting edge. They've tried to get their, you know, their things together. They've, they've got new products. Two related questions. One, any view on how they've been doing? Like, do you think they're actually making strides? And then B, do you see that as kind of the, the thing that will convince the stakeholders at traditional networks, broadcasters, to kind of say, aha, now we're going to get paid, so let's, let's break this wide open. So I don't know, have you had a chance to look at any of Is the that for total me? audience stuff? It's for anybody. <coughs> I'm touching back to what you said yeah, I, not I so favorably about Nielsen. We're actually, um, the queue is ad-free right now, um, which was done intentionally. Um, there's no such thing really as, an, as a global ad sales business, and we're in 30 different territories in Europe, Middle East, and Africa right now, about to launch in Latin America. So you've got to kind of go into each of those individually on an ad sales basis. And unless you've got critical mass of audience, ad sales becomes challenging. So any, any spreadsheet that we ever sat down and created said that we were going to lose money for the first several years by running ads. Now, it's partially because what the queue does 
is we aggregate and curate the best of premium short form content, meaning short form YouTube style content. So I'll, I'll take issue a little bit with Zane. There's actually a ton of amazing material on YouTube. They upload 500 hours every minute. That's their latest public stat. So yeah, 498 hours might be junk, but there's two hours every minute going up that's actually pretty cool. So there's a lot of content going up there. And so we take advantage of that, we curate it, and it's very much like 80s MTV where we broadcast it around the world. And I said to someone earlier as well, MTV was actually the original all commercial network or all sales network. It wasn't home shopping or QVC because all the four minute video was was an advertisement for you to go buy the record to see the concert. The record labels and the bands made zero, zero out of playing content on MTV. And they paid for it too. The record label and the band paid for the video and then they gave it to MTV for free to run so that they could promote something else. YouTube is very, very, very similar to that. YouTube is about people creating things that are promoting something else. The problem is, is that on a measurement basis, being able to figure out that social engagement, quantify that, you know, other than saying, okay, they have 20 million subscribers or whatever, we haven't really seen anything yet, and I think it's coming, but we haven't really seen anything yet that allows you to accurate, I won't say accurately, I'll say in a way that's universally accepted, actually, the, the metrics that you're getting for. And so I don't know whether these other uh, products are because I haven't used them, but I, don't, I haven't heard anybody yet raving about the metrics that they're getting from a yeah. social point of view. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. And uh, I was being, um, I was trying to be provocative. Agreed, there's, <laughs> my kids, like, they find all kinds of stuff to watch on YouTube, right? People eat junk food. It happens, right? So I'm with you. It's like, no question. Um, so Nielsen, I think, you know, we're playing catch up still, right? Like it has definitely driven premium video um, to more uh, endpoints, right? Because the promise of measurement is there, but the actual, uh, the actual execution and reporting is still a little bit behind. There's a real war happening for those who haven't been in this area, right? With the Comscore Rent Track uh, merger um, versus Nielsen, really tough. Like it's, it balls in the air. But what we're finding is there are other currencies. There are other currencies that media buyers are actually buying on right now, right? That's what was important about Nielsen is the fact people bought against it, and so people are buying against other things right now. Like, people don't really buy against Comscore, at least not in my experience. They create media plans with Comscore, but when it comes down to buying, not really. Um, but there are some interesting players in the space that we are seeing. Um, we did a partnership with a company called Moat, M-O-A-T. Moat is a company that's doing um, viewability, mostly, right? Like actually measuring to make sure display ads are visible. And so people, media buyers on the digital side, are buying against it. That's a real currency. Um, Freewheel. Freewheel established a real currency in, the, in Freewheel reporting. Um, so it's players that actually kind of sit in between both sides. You know, they, they straddle supply and demand, and they're truly, like they're not in the arbitrage business, right? They're really delivering ads. They have measurable data, and they um, prepare reports that people are willing to acknowledge that, that's what we're seeing as a, a, you know, in the trends in, in reporting. But that, some would argue that the, multipli you know, the, the, the multiplicity of currencies 
is ultimately unhealthy. You know, if you're if you're it's, Nielsen and you're obviously the monopolist, yep. you're going to be the for the it's, monopoly. It's a fragmentation but, moment. It's right, like, right. We're, There's we're, an argument. We're we're absolutely in a moment of fragmentation. Yeah. Someone's uh, I I loved the analogy someone used about Detroit in the '40s, and Detroit in the '40s was right. If you think about a big industry and how it grows, in the beginning it was like everybody made cars, um, you know, from the ground up, the whole thing themselves. And then over time, people started to specialize in particular parts of cars, like something like tires, right? And that becomes an industry unto itself. And then as the industry sorts out and you get into a kind of ecosystem of, uh, like that can truly operate at an industrial scale, then um, you get to scale. And we are absolutely in that moment when we've got, you know, like some people trying to do everything soup to nuts themselves, other people offering, uh, you know, component solutions, audiences fragmented. It's, that's why this whole time is so, um, you know, both exciting and completely exhausting <laughs> to, to deal with. Yeah, there's, I mean, one thing that's extremely pronounced to me is that there's a tension between what you alluded to, which is this aversion to, uh, you know, the, this need to skip, this training to skip, basically, and really what I think Kurt's business is, is predicated on, which is kind of an immersion in brand. And what, I mean, you work in that area as well, but like it's kind of this interesting moment where on the one hand you have this, you know, there's more opportunity to avoid advertising than ever possible. And you've got can, Netflix kind of yeah, Netflix. climbing you that wall of words. You cannot underestimate the yeah. impact that Netflix had on, in, yeah. on the media business. It's yeah. really remarkable, right? It's like you know, almost every dimension of it, but the, the transition to, like, the adoption of SVOD. Like, SVOD was, okay, I mean, subscription VOD as the dominant business model. I mean, we heard a terrible thing recently, and I, again, I, I say this um, acknowledging it sounds terrible, but it's actually insightful. Someone said, oh yeah, commercials, tax on poor people. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> when, that was going to be the original name of the advanced advertising <laughs> theater, actually. Right. But, but I mean, really, that, like we're, we're dealing with like <laughs> from a perception issue, right? When people are willing, when when it's eight dollars for Netflix, or I guess they announced a price lift today. What they go to? Someone said today they raised no, it the package up price slightly. I can't remember. Right. So eight bucks here, three bucks there, two bucks here. Like okay, you know, um, we've a combination of what happened to your cable packages. You're looking to save some money. The, the, model, the model has changed, and that's actually why less is more. And it's why the premium you know, ad-supported premium content business is innovating today. Because they're, they're not going to let that go. Right? People are going to fix it. People are going to find a way well, to, yeah, to make I, it work. I, I, and I think part of that has to do with the, uh, all of the movement towards addressability and you know, better targeting. You know, I mean, you uh, I'm sorry? I'm Your sorry. mic's on. Uh, 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 um, with, um, you know, with better addressability and the, and the very, very interesting data mashups that people are starting to use in order to be able to do that better, uh, in, even in linear TV, I, you know, I see that coupled with the other side of what's happening on the client side, which is the building of, you know, 360-degree, you know, uh, customer journey mapping marketing technology stacks sure. and the move towards personalization. So you, once you start to be able to mash up that data, 
in a way that you can actually address people through television on an almost one-to-one -one personal level and then design that communication to be truly useful, I think it will be not only engaging, I think it will be desired. It will be something that people will want. As long as the CPM lift is there, right? <laughs> yeah. As long well, as, I mean, that's the other part of the equation. Um, it's really important, right? No, that, that and, that, and, that, and that's where I think things are a little bit, where they're difficult, I think, especially if you're not particularly deeply seated in that business, like I'm not. Basically, what I see all of that is basically the way the market works mm. and not necessarily a true signal of necessarily whether the advertising was any good. That, that makes sense. And, you know, but once they start to blend those signals, you know, actual sales from CRM, first party data and things like that, you start to blend that with addressability, then I think you're going to see a different picture. That's right. Uh, one one yeah, thing yeah. I think you'll yeah. appreciate, it ties back to your question of measurement. So um, the ad server, the digital ad server has been around 10 years. Like the first ad server, like the first banner ads um, were around 1995, 96, Hotwired, on uh, Wired, like Wired Magazine's website. That was the first time we started to come up with a standard format to be able to sell, a, um, sell someone's attention digitally. And so those systems have evolved and have become quite sophisticated, right? So like, I mean, DoubleClick is a, the deeper you go into double click to see the amount of targeting, the amount of you know being able to pull in um, audience segments uh, from things like Blue Kai, or the level of sophistication in targeting audience is primarily driven by display advertising, right? Is actually just now starting to make its way into video, and that's really I mean I think we're finding that that's a critical ingredient. Like we backed up and made sure that all of that overlay interactive in video was trafficked through those systems. Because those systems, are, they have created those currencies, right, that are a multi-billion dollar business every quarter. So the sophistication or the evolution of that industry segment is healthy. Um, but you have to look in, you have to look in different categories than you might assume um, for the ingredients in making those things. Because then you get all of the reporting, all of the targeting um, inherent in a digital ad server in your video products. It's, right, that, that's proved really useful. I think we have time for maybe a question or two. Um, so raise your hand if you've got a question. We'll try to work that in. This has been a great session. I have a million other questions of my own, but I figure I would give you guys an opportunity if anybody... As one, yes. How about the guy in the back they, right there? The ah, guy in the back right there. Oh, come on. They just wanted a place to sit. Plans, plans, that's really why they're here. So. Guy in the blue. If not, I can continue. He was supposed to be in that chair. Come ah, on. He's got this. This gentleman has a question. I'm Ophir Daniel from Amdocs. You're talking about ads. With ads, the business, less is more. Being let me serve you maybe a few targeted ads rather than a spray and pray kind of model. But in essence of the business and the revenue share models, that, the revenue models that are coming from the advertisers and the publishers, will it really make sense to serve one or two ads in a program instead of 20, 30? Is the CPM really in the multiplication that, that much higher? Any thoughts? Right. No. <laughs> right? No. That's why you need native ad products. Right? Like, that's why the spot 
is like not the answer. And just doing fewer of them also isn't the answer. And just targeting them isn't the answer. You have to look at things like x-ray mm. and annotations and even Netflix. The way right at the moment the credits start to roll, Netflix asks you, would you like to see the next episode? That precise timing in the video experience, knowledge of what's happening in the show, deep knowledge, not just like, it's on, hold on, let me interrupt you and stick this in your face. Like, this is, that started in 1930, right? It, the commercial, the first commercials ran in the 1930s. They were, they became mass media in the 50s and it's just been kind of smooth sailing since. And guess what? It's bumpy now. It's, so you have to come up with other products that advertisers can tell stories in so that they can do something else with the audience's attention um, other than just like try and trick them into staying. Yeah, I think the key word, the, the key word that he just used from my point of view is interruption. People don't want to be interrupted. Uh, they want to just keep that flow and they want to get what they want. I mean, the world we're in is instant gratification now. And so to, be, to have that instant gratification interrupted by something you're not interested in is self-defeating. So I think that's where, when you use the word native, uh, I, would, I would add to that non-interruptive advertising. And there, there may be, you know, there may be new things on, you know, coming down the pike that include commerce, and you know, a percentage of uh, an actual direct interaction with the brand. Things that you know we haven't seen yet in uh, TV space, but seem possible right. to me if uh, you know we're working with first-party data. Right. Like even, even the idea. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, um, I, I'm just wondering on the agency side and on the brand side. Are you finding that, and this used to preoccupy me when I was in the agency, the traditional side, the broadcast side, and the digital side, are they, are they engaged at the same level now in this, or does the digital side get it better because this is kind of where they came from? We're seeing the, we're seeing the buying teams collapse across the, right, across the industry. Mm -hmm. um, like the, the, uh, the account leads, right, the SVPs, EVPs inside the big buyers, are starting to plan in integrated ways, and it's not so unusual anymore. So the planning teams, the buying teams, are, are actually looking for those opportunities and are not just uh, like fighting it out anymore. Yeah, I mean, at the, at, uh, what I was going to say was that at the, at the studios, at all the studios at the advent of the digital age, there was the digital division, the digital group, and then the package media group. Well, eventually that just became one. As Netflix became as big a customer as what used to be Blockbuster, all that just dropped into one thing. The same thing is happening on the ad side from our perspective. There's a guy. Yeah, I think we have one more in the back here. Well, pardon me, I'm so sorry. Hi, it's uh, Jeff Eels from Sky TV in the UK. Uh, we launched um, AdSmart about a year and a half ago. And we found um, some, a number of insights that we might want to share with you. One is that there's no question that if there's a targeted ad um, within the ad break, that that almost certainly increases awareness because it's genuinely targeted and people know it's, it's there. So I kind of get you. The, the other thing is that um, uh, we now take a, a considerable number of set-top box data out and we will try to work out just how silly it is to take 5,100 homes and work out how much people watch. Let, let me tell you a horrible thing. 
it actually is pretty good. <laughs> okay, if you good take three million set-top box records and you work out total viewing, it's the same I have as to the tell 5, you, statistically, the inaccuracy of one against the other is pretty, in, pretty, pretty good. And we were quite surprised at that. So let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater yet. Um, the only other thing I would say is, is that we, you, you clearly have to get a sweet spot between interruption and engagement. And I'm not entirely sure in the future, certainly in Europe, we're looking at serious privacy acts about what the, what the definition of an IP address being an IP address being an absolute um, identification of a personal piece of data. So I'm not sure whether it will come here, but if it does, could be some very interesting discussions about what you can and can't do. Well, you know, to that point, um, there's, some new there's some new regulations coming down in the U.S. market about YouTubers making it clear on their videos that this was paid for by a brand <laughs> because it was crossing that line over of doing something that wasn't clearly identified as an advertisement. So they're starting to have to do that in the, in the pieces themselves. It, and just picking up on your comment there, so the most important building block right, is audience data. No, no question. Uh, we have a slightly different perspective because we think that there's a lot of other people addressing that, right? So when it comes down to like the first building block for increasing CPMs, creating new ad products, no question. It's like you've got to start with your audience data. You've got to start with your partner's data, whether it's an MVPD partner, um, no question. But what we think the next wave really is, is the combination of your audience data and your content data. Right, because those that same audience, um, it's a right is a, a rose is a rose is a rose. The that person is the same person is the same person. Whether they're on the Weather Channel for uh, you know 15 seconds, whether they're in uh, you know deep in uh, Walking Dead or watching the Super Bowl, right? It's still just the cookie or an ID. And what we need in order to build this kind of what we think are the next wave of those products is for the programming community, the networks, the newscasters, like in your, IN, in your iNews or ENPS systems, you have really valuable metadata. That's where your treasure chest of context is to combine with that audience data to unlock the real value of your content. And that's, that, that's uh, you know, so I, I want to acknowledge that it's absolutely first step, audience data, next step, context. How are we doing on time? Okay, great. Um, so what I wanted to actually close with is getting a, um, I want to be optimistic for a second. Mm. And, uh, you know, look at the, 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 you know, the, the sun on the horizon and um, some optimistic signs. So if you could each, each of the three of you describe um, an implementation um, you know, across platforms or not, uh, something that you just think points the way. You know, that is, is a, and a, it is a shameless plug, but just try to get off the shameless plug uh, if you can and just kind of elucidate why this is something hopeful that people can take away from. And what did you learn in, in, in the lab? Um, Shake, I'll start with you. <laughs> or you can talk about your, you know, your um, constituents. You know. Uh, like, what are you seeing out there that kind of gives you hope? Well, uh, there's a, there's just a lot of interesting things happening in advanced technology today that, that gives me hope that, that 
that the television is going to be integrated into a really, really interesting home system whereby, you know, the, the programmers will be able to fund their programming through any number of different kinds of interactions, you know, that people have, you know, in, in their home uh, with products and customer service and all kinds of things that I believe are very much going to be the, pretty much the soul of digital interactions and brand experience. And I think the storytelling will always be a really important part of it, but it will, I think it will diminish in importance to the kinds of usability and brand experiences that will be brought into the home through television and any number of devices that they'll be connected to. So that's what, that's what I want for my home, and it's what I want for my family, and uh, that's what I'm hoping to see. Fantastic. Interesting. I hope so, too. I guess my answer would be is to me the the magic of what's happening right now is this is the golden age of content consumption. There's never been as much content consumption even remotely as what it, what occurs now through smartphone usage and mobile video and just content. When I talk about content, I'm talking about anything. Any video, any content, all of us, everybody here sitting warm staring at their phones. But was there one piece of content on your platform that blew up in a way that kind of made you rethink everything, you know, like, oh my no, God. No, I, I, I think our goal is the, and I think it's the goal of everyone in this industry now, is it's an any screen model. So, you know, I don't know what we're going to call it two decades from now, but it won't be watching television because right. it's immaterial. And so, you know, I, I always say this to people. Everybody says, well, kids don't, millennials don't watch television anymore. That's just completely, absolutely, utterly wrong. They just don't watch television on television. That's right. That's the mm. difference. They don't watch it on a TV set because they don't care. And so the, the massive amount of consumption that's happening is the opportunity for everybody in this business, in this industry, because it scales at a level that's never even remotely been achieved before. I used to have to go home to watch television, to watch video. You don't have to do that anymore. And this, that's, a, that's a, I mean, I was just in India. In India, they have one billion handsets. Okay, one billion mobile handsets in India right now. The government's proclamation is, is that by, in three years, 500 million of those will be smartphones. 500 million, okay? That means everybody in India, and they're gonna up to 4G, everybody in India is gonna be walking around watching things 24 hours a day on their smartphones. That's a big market. Wow, interesting. <laughs> That's why I was there. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Close so, it out. so that very optimistic state for, um, for, for me and my team is we are really excited about where broadcast graphics, right? Your Chiron layer, your, um, the, the, like the amazing things happening with companies like VizRT and Ross and like what's, what, what's actually happening. I mean, I'll throw out another plug for you know, pixel power. These great, these systems that are really starting to do incredible things. We are really optimistic about the future of that Chiron layer, the graphics layer, your on-air graphics layer becoming personalized and responsive when delivered on an IP-based device. So if you're on your phone, right? If you're on your phone and you're watching a game and you and there's and you're like the ticker happens to be at the bottom, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to touch the ticker. Touch. Weird. <laughs> There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to touch the ticker and personalize it, right? It should be done in the look and feel of the programmer. It should be done at that premium level of experience. 
It shouldn't feel like a yucky add-on generated by the set-top box or by the CE manufacturer. It should be inherent to the programmer to bring that alive in partnership with their distribution partners. And you know, we're starting to see that, and that's super exciting. To a brighter tomorrow. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Okay. Thank you all for being Let's here. Let's have a hand for our panel, Dade Hayes, Chick Foxgover, Zane, and Kurt. So we're going uh, broadcasting live still from voiceamerica.com, so stick around. We have a fantastic presentation by Next Radio. Also, if you want to hear these podcasts after the show, put your business card in that jar over there, and we'll be sending you all sorts of great content. And our panelists are going to be sticking around a little bit to chat with you. So we'll be back in about five minutes. Go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.